mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you feeling, Rob? I'm feeling really grateful. Oh? For artists. Because art has changed my life. Same. And um, the artist that we're going to meet today, I am really grateful for. Um, because I think her work is so incredible mm-hmm. and so important. Mm-hmm. And in many ways, it's been overlooked for a ridiculously long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm grateful that our artist today, who we're meeting, um, is getting to see that people love and respect what she has done yes. for many decades. I'm also thankful um, for that. Because I think her work is so powerful and intelligent and um, it's almost like a weapon for change. And uh, that really is what art should do. It should change the world. And um, even if it's in a small way or a large mm. way, but somehow make the world better for other people. Change the dialogue. And um, I have so much respect and I'm actually nervous myself because I've done so much research and uh, I'm such a fanboy, basically, yeah. um, of our artist. So we would like to welcome Caroline Coon. Hello, Caroline. <laughs> Hello. Welcome. Um, <laughs> we welcome you. We're welcoming no, you. And I'm, I'm welcoming everybody into the conversation. Fantastic. Love that. That's what we want. How are you doing today? I'm all right. Yeah. Feeling very nervous, but also very lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's consider this to be a little bit of an experiment because, um, as you said, my work has been not considered for a very long time mm-hmm. and therefore I haven't had the privilege really to speak about my work in public but I also like to say that it's quite it's been rather an advantage um, I've done what some people have told me is very controversial um, and that's and it was I was told that it was my work was too politically too political mm-hmm. too socially conscious mm-hmm. um, and therefore I've had uh, I've been able to paint for almost 50 years in private Mm. without the pressure to produce the the amount of work that, say, a gallery would want you to produce. Mm -hmm. Um, I've I've been able to do exactly what I wanted without any um, market-type pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm only thankful that I've reached this old age, 74, and suddenly people are looking at work that I have conscientiously and with great care created over all these years because I might have been dead. <laughs> you know, I, you know mm-hmm. it, it, I feel extremely lucky that suddenly um, people are, um, are looking at and liking or not that you don't, I don't need to be liked so much, but I'd like to stimulate conversation. People are, people are responding to your work in such, literally within the last six months, it feels like the dialogue has changed and there is a huge focus on you. And you've arrived today with... Uh, a catalogue that's been printed called uh, Caroline Kuhn, The Great Offender from Tramp's 
gallery where you're... Is the show still up now or is it just closed? The show is on until the end of December. The end of December. Which I think it I, closes on the 22nd. Everybody has to go and see. I saw it the other day and I, I tell you why I saw it because there was has been such an influx of support on Instagram and especially from people like Louisa Buck who is uh, an amazing critic, friend of Talkart, friend of mine and Rob's and she has been such a champion of you and saying, wake up tight, why are we not collecting? Why is this work not for everyone why is this not being kept in as for like uh, integrity forever and i went to see the show and it absolutely blew my mind i think you are the most incredible painter and it, it is following a frustrating pattern where so many female artists are being uh, overlooked ignored and then they do get to a later stage in life and everyone goes oh wow this works amazing why wouldn't we paying attention to this and it's such a it's so um, annoying, and um, you look at people like, and, and but it's incredible now that you're able to experience it. But you look at people like Rose Wiley or Carmen Herrera. I don't know why that happens. Why there is this talent here that's being created, but it just gets. Can I tell you Go one on. of the reasons why? Yes. yes. Um, um, my work, I think, uh, caused a contra- controversy and was overlooked. But before I just say, I I am very lucky because Martin Green and James Lawler came to me eighteen months ago. And gave me the exhibition in Liverpool, yes. which alerted um, Peter Doig and Paranes Mogadasi of Tramps to my work mm-hmm. to bring the, the Great Offender show to London. But, okay, the reason why I think my work was overlooked is because um, when I was a teenager, I noticed that a lot of the naked women in art mm-hmm. um, were core prostitutes. That you couldn't, you in a sense, you wouldn't see um, a naked woman in art without the art historian or the or the critique saying this is an you know an, a prostitute, um, and that also made me wonder where, where if I am a woman and I'm looking in an art gallery, where are na- naked men? And um, so I thought I would redress the balance, and I would put as many naked men in my paintings as possible. Um, so, um, And that led me to the realisation that the, the, the male nude, unless it's Christ on the cross, which mm. is in fact the, the most pervasive male nude in mm. culture, caused a huge controversy mm. amongst the heterosexual male. Because the thing is, if um, you have a a beautiful male Adonis nude in a gallery mm-hmm. and um, a man looks, a, a man who's identified himself as a patriarchal heterosexual male yeah. is, a, is thinks it's a beautiful painting and is attracted by the male nakedness, he then worries that he is going to be called heteros- uh, homosexual. Right. Mm. And so that my, my male nudes fed into... Um, the hysteria about gay, um, gay culture, mm-hmm. and if you remember, you know, um, when I was a teenager, um, it had only just been made legal for uh, consenting adults to have male in, yeah. in 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 private. Yeah, fifty years. It's only been fifty years ago, wasn't it? When, when yeah, exactly. It was, yeah. Yes, fifty yeah. years yeah. since it's been made legal. And so and so and so um, and I and I said, well, if you're going to, you know, I always said to anybody who came and was interested in my work, um, you know, I'm I'm not going to have you ban my naked male. Mm. Mm. 
And so it was considered very controversial. Mm. And then that fed into um, the feminist movement who, um, for feminists, for a, cert a, narr a certain narrative in feminism, the, um, the cock, the penis, mm. was the, the, um, the, icon, the icon of... Um, Let me try this again. My headphones have fallen off. <laughs> All this excitement about penises. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Mine are falling off as well. Mine are both slipping down. No, keep going. Keep, keep talking about it, please. Um, um, <laughs> the, the penis was, uh, you know, it was the, the emoji or the, um, the icon of patriarchy. And so a woman who was painting the penis was considered to be anti-feminist. And you were called that, the woman who paints penises, yes, weren't you, for yes, a while? Yes, because my, because my, my, my naked men w were causing such a controversy. Right. And my feeling was that, you know, if, you, if, if as a woman um, to procreate, which is one of the most beautiful things that you can do and, and is em emblematic of life. Evolution, I'm, yeah. I'm going to draw a penis into my body. Mm -hmm. And therefore, to me, the penis is the most beautiful thing that you could possibly paint. Mm. Amen. Amen to that. <laughs> and what did that feel like to be controversial at the time for people to say you were controversial because you were painting dicks? Um, it felt that it was something that I had to negotiate. With yourself or with? Uh, with myself, mm. with my own ego and my own uh, self-confidence as an artist. Yeah. But then also um, outside my studio um, in the wider world. You know, it was how am I going to live if everything that I stand for as a person mm. um, is going to cause controversy, and I'm going to be censored? Mm. Um, in, in the in the outer, in the in the wider world, you know, how do I, how will I manage to keep on painting? Mm. How do you navigate that? Yeah. Yes, and so you know, there's that there's that struggle between your you know your internal dialogue. Yeah. And then how... What the story you want to tell, should I... Yeah. Yes, that is a struggle because if you put that out there, is that going to restrict you in certain ways? But then that is what your artistic voice in your head is telling you to create. So mm. I guess you have that battle. And I think also, what's the... Po I think Alice Walker said something great, is, is that um, activism is the rent I pay for living on earth. Something like that. Right. Wow. Um, and from a very early age... I come from a. You could, I, I, perhaps you can tell from my accent. Um, I come from a, you know an upper class family. Uh -huh. Just to be a girl was controversial. Um, uh, the whole of the um, the class that um, I was born into um, catered to the patriarchy. I'd seen my grandmother, who wasn't allowed to be. I'm a musician. I'd seen my mother who wasn't allowed to be an artist. And their misery at not being able to do what they wanted to do was kind of... And was that quite palpable as a child? You could absolutely, feel that? You could absolutely. Absolutely. You know, why are my grandmother and my mother so angry? Yeah. And there was a kind of sadism in that anger, which is visited on children. Wow. Um, and, you know, I as a, as a girl child, I wasn't allowed... You know, my, it's it's a very hunting, shooting, fishing kind of environment. Right. Because you grew up in Kent, didn't you? Yes. Uh, landed, landed, landed. Yeah. Gentry. Um, right. Not, not exactly. I mean, they aspired to be, yes, they aspired, you know, the, the, they aspired to be the ruling class. Right. And the higher up the class hierarchy you go, the more conservative you have to be. Uh-huh. You know, and then I could only kind of be myself by running away from home because... Um, uh, as a girl, 
The only thing that I was going to be allowed to do was to get married and to mm -hmm. be a breeder. To be a wife and a mother. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and have boy children. Mm. Right. You know, so I, as, it was only until quite recently, well, actually, in, in the, the 80s, when people would say to me, yeah, how many children do your parents have? And I'd say five, more my brothers. And I'd forget that actually I was one of my parents' children because I was the girl, the oldest girl. Wow. Well, so they, they had six children, but you would say five? Yes. Yeah, wow. And I, I think we, um, you know, we forget how embedded in our culture these tropes of oppression mm. are. And so anyway, for, for, for me to be controversial was just a way um, to save my life. Wow. I, I really loved this story as well, that um, because of that almost pain that you saw your, your mother and your grandmother in because their creativity had kind of been stifled and silenced, that, that you felt this urgent need to sort of go to London to find your, your family in other people and friends and artists and creative musicians and, and that you went to St. Martin's, I think, is that In the correct? 60s, you went to St. Martin's Art School. I went to Central. Central. Central, right. Central yeah. Um, but but even there, you you, you suddenly realised, hang on a minute, I'm in another type of patriarchy, or even the music industry that you became part of as well. Like you you kept um, trying to find like a place for yourself, and constantly found all these different types of patriarchies that were trying to suppress you and silence you in a way. Well, I think isn't that the same for um, for the three isms that we had to fight from after the Second World War, and racism. Mm -hmm. Um, homophobia, sexism, um, and although I think youth today is having to struggle with different sets of oppressions, um, my God, in the last 50 years, uh, as a result of gay liberation, the black power movement, um, feminism, we have come a, a huge long way. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so that's, to a certain extent, I'm now learning to talk a little bit about my childhood because until we know from where we've come, mm. we can't really adequately challenge wh where we are today. Mm -hmm. mm. Wow. So when did you start transferring energy into paint to make him, make him work? Um, when I grew, I was very lucky because I went to a ballet school. Mm -hmm. And that is a kind of like a holistic, creative environment. Mm -hmm. You know, you learn to dance, you learn to play music. You, you look like you have like a balletic posture as well. <laughs> you do have yeah, very you, good you, posture. You get, get a five-year-old and teach her how to plie, plie and she yeah. can plie for the rest of her life. You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, if only this had video, you know, we'd get you, you know, to do I, that right you now. Know, I'll, I'll, do the, 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 uh, I'll do the dance of the little swans if you like. Yes, I mean, please. I still remember. <laughs> um, but uh, so right from the early, from very early age, mm -hmm. I knew I was going to be a, an artist. Um, but it was then how to get to art school, really. Um, was you exposed to art at an early age through well, your family? Yes. Um, did, you say, did you go to galleries or did you have art in the family? Or? Art very much in the family. I had, um, what is my grandfather's brother? Is that a, is that a great uncle? Yes. Yeah. Yes. He was kind of a black sheep of the family because he was an artist too. He was a royal academician. Really, and he was a black black sheep because he was an, an RA. And he would know he was an artist, right? And um, the higher up the hierarchy you go, you know, to be an artist is kind of to Acceptable. be an out no, not, not. acceptable, right. outsider. 
Um, anyway, uh, but he was, um, his name is F.M. Bennett. He was a Royal Academician and he did what my parents would call chocolate, you know, if you, in the in the 50s, if you were buying a chocolate box with a kind of a Victorian scene on it, mm. it could be by F.M. Bennett. Right. And so, and he's, it was, I'll tell you a funny story. So, he, you know, the house were full of um, my uncle's, my great uncle's paintings. Right. And he got a Prix de Rome, I think. What's that? From the slit, I think that you were, if you were an excellent painter, you got um, a prize which sent you to Rome to paint. Right. Oh. And so he was painting very Victorian. And back in the day, you would have to copy masterpieces. Right. And so the house was kind of, had my great uncle's, fantastic portraits of masterpieces from another age which my parents could then pass off as if it was ancestral right, paintings right, right. <laughs> heirlooms I mean, right you know yes it was so the, the house was full of paintings and I, a lot of figuration you saw there. a lot of figuration um a uh, lot of great drawing mm. um there was the myth that um that um there was a drawing of my grandfather's Father, who was meant to be a this this is what this is the who meant to be a mayor of Bristol, who was then drawn by John Singer Sargent. Wow! Oh my! <laughs> wow! But they didn't have the John Singer Sargent. They no. had the, they had the, the little, replica a sketch. that your uncle. No, no, the oh. real little sketch. Wow! But 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 when you're a child, you kind of believe these family myths, and right. you know. And I'm so I'm now I'm thinking maybe it is a myth, but it was a very beautiful drawing yeah. in the style of. And so my admiration for the craft of art yes. for um, drawing was yeah. really innate in me, I think. From a and you liked the work that was around you? Yes. Wow. Um, something I heard you talk about before was this idea that even when you were at um, Central St. Martins, that you were um, never really told that being uh, an artist and being a woman artist was even a possibility because there weren't really that many examples for you to look at because all the art you'd seen was mainly done by men and the artists that you did see who were women artists often got left out of shows including Pauline Boaty and um, how remarkable she was as an artist and as someone who inspired you in you, your life. Yeah. Yes, I've, I really have been very lucky because, um, okay, um, I went to do pre-dip um, at a at a provincial art college. What's pre-dip? Sorry. Pre-dip is what you do before you 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 have to get your pre-dip before you get your art. You go to the get the higher the three year. Ah, oh, like a, like a foundation course. Yes, yeah, I get okay. you'd call it foundation okay, course. Okay. Um, so I went to did my foundation course in a provincial art school where they were still teaching drawing. Um, then I came to do. Then I came to Central, and it's true there were there were there were no women tutors. Um, women, um, there was. I think the example that you can give that, that all the textbooks that you were reading about art say Gombrich's The History of Art. No women in it. Uh -huh. um, and then my tutor Derek Boche, who was one of the founders of the pop art movement. Um, recognised. I think he liked the actually. I think he liked the political content of my work because there was a very a lot of working class artists in the pop art movement, and discussing their ideas were political. Mm -hmm. And he said, "He said I'd like to introduce you to my colleague Pauline Boaty." Mm -hmm. 
Um, and that she, Pauline Bode's work blew my mind. For uh, Actually, then pop art blew my mind mm. in the sense of how you can make your work political. Um, Pauline Bode was doing fantastic paintings um, called um, It's a Man's World One, It's a Man's World Two. She was doing pictures of um, civil rights in um, America. Mm -hmm. um, she was doing um, pictures about Cuba. Mm -hmm. um, if you remember, David Hockney was out very bravely at yes. that time doing art, doing work about his love of, of male nudes. Male nude, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so I was introduced to Pauline Boaty. And when she died, just I think six months later, her husband gave me Pauline Boaty's paints. Wow. What a gift. I think he, and it was like, I think he, I think Clive Goodwin, founder of a very political magazine called Black Dwarf. Oh. Anyway, the fact that he gave me Pauline's paints gave me this kind of sense that I'm going to carry the torch for yeah. this wonderful political artist. Yes. Oh, amazing. And whenever in my life I felt suicidal or very down and depressed because I'm broke yes. and nobody's looking at my art, um, I would think, well, you know, carry on, carry on. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't aware of Pauline's work before researching you, to be honest. And actually now I think it's it's revolutionary and... There's a work of yours which really stood out, which was uh, Cunt, is the title of the piece, mm. which is uh, like a proscenium arch, very theatrical, uh, and there is, in bold letters, is the word cunt, and then there is a drawing of a woman's vagina, hairy vagina. And I thought this was uh, groundbreaking for the time that it was painted, but this was an homage to a work by Pauline Boti that was Bum, which was the, the same sort of setup. So yours was kind of uh, an appreciation of that. And going back, and I... And she was in her 20s, and she died when she was 28, tragically, uh, three months after having her baby, because they said to her that you couldn't, you could either have an abortion or you could have the chemotherapy or the, the therapy at the time. And she said, I want the baby. And she had the baby and then died. Quite a tragic life when she was 28. But she was making this work in her early 20s when you became friends, right? And I, I, it would be too much for me to say I was friends. I met her a couple of times. Right. Um, you know, I was I was a student, and she had left Royal College of Art. Mm -hmm. uh, but but she had the struggle to be an artist too. Right. Mm. Um, she was advised that because women couldn't paint, that was the that's the trope. Yeah. Women are second rate. Women can't paint. Um, there are no great women artists. That that that, that was that was fed into us. Mm. Um, anyway, so she was told that she couldn't join the fine art department. At Central, at, at um, she went to Wimbledon first, and then went to the Royal College of Art. She so the, they would they they were channeling women into the crafts. So she did stained glass, stained glass, mm. and actually, I I to to, to say to, to let to tell you how far we've come, um, there were no ladies lose in the Royal College of Art. Really? What the what? f? But why are you surprised? Boys? I know. So yeah, what well, would I you have? Think, think you'd go into the men's then, or what? You just where would you go? What do you mean? Where would you go? There weren't women there. They had no women, babe. You know, you know, women. We did is, not. We did not exist. Mm. Don't you know? Listen. Um, <laughs> that just blows in, my in, mind. You know, it's shocking in, for us because we grew up in the eighties, yes. where women were, you know, like we, we were, our mothers were quite. We love our women. mums. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah so we that, fighting, I think it, it started to change. We were fighting back in the seventies, but you know, uh, um, everything consp patriarchy conspires to make women invisible. Mm. Um, 
and and you know you but so long as you're you know you can look after the home mm. but in the public sphere you know you are you 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 know you're not a, you're not not allowed so and you know as a young woman and i think many young women you know we, we're just overcoming this you know the, a big n o let alone bum or cunt but it was a big two letter word no oh. which was right up in front of us and we just had to kick it down mm. and you have i mean what you've been doing for years you've been trailblazing your work and you said you've been making it kind of quietly but these pieces now are starting to be seen by so many people and they're they're changing the dialogue of art history and you've been here the whole time making these works what how many works have you got do you think and do you store them in your house or where have these all been kept safely well i've got to say i can't, you know i am standing on the shoulder of women artists giants yeah. you know i'm not i'm i'm here because of the fantastic example of of men and women because like i you know i like to reach out and say it's not as if um it's only women who've had to struggle male artists have had to struggle too and many male artists have had to be in the closet and hidden the fact that they're mm. gay yeah um to me, one of the most um, glorious exhibitions of the last couple of years was the queer exhibition at the Tate. And as a matter of fact, not only was, you know, there were, it was an it was an exhibition that had more women artists in it than any group exhibition that I've ever seen in London. <laughs> wow, we're all we're all gay, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. It was just like it was it was quite interesting, but um, so I, you know, I'm, I could give you some. Yeah, definitely. There, there yes, were, there were there were some women painters that I've I'm not very good at bringing them off at the top of my head but um, you know artists or women of literature like um, Duna Barnes Colette the writer Gertrude Steen um, George Sand you know these all women who've struggled um, um, Natalie Barnett you know these are, these are unusual women and didn't you get a thank in um, thank from Jermaine Greer at the uh, in the female eunuch she thanked you specifically in her Jermaine Greer is, is always a double edged sword okay because um, I never told anybody that I was one of the dedicates for the female eunuch because Jermaine's dedication I mean she can be Jermaine can be absolutely vicious towards women and so the dedication says something nice, and then she, she actually begins. The dedication be, begins, I think, um, Caroline, who danced but badly, <gasps> who painted but badly, and and so this is in 1971. And Germaine is a huge lioness in on the British social scene. Uh -huh. You know, her best friends are, are all the you know the movers and shakers. And so Germaine was going around her dinner party saying that I was a bad painter. Wow. <laughs> However, I kept my sanity because Germaine also said I was a I danced but badly. And Germaine, you do not get to dance on stage at Covent Garden. If you're a bad dancer, yeah. mm. so Jermaine hadn't seen me dance, mm -hmm. but it was that you know. So um, give with one. That was that other, was yeah. that was one of those kind of um, obstacles that um, you know one had to. You have to keep focused. I think. Yeah. You have to. How have you kept your focus? Firstly, because we live in the West where we are free and 
I'm not going to complain so long as I have a roof over my head and I am going to withhold the values that we've all fought for for centuries in the West to be free. I'm going to be free to paint. And actually, I don't care an F-U-C-K what anybody thinks. Um, by, by various means, often nefarious means, I'm going to um, do what I feel I was born to do. Um, I had to do, I, you know, I, I, um, because my parents were wealthy, I couldn't get a grant, so I did nude modeling to pay my way through art school. You know, you, you find ways, but you, you know, if you really want to do something, mm-hmm. read about other people who've had to struggle um, and, and just keep going. Mm-hmm. I think you. I, I heard a message that you gave as well about hope and this idea that um, we all just have to hold on to hope in to keep us all going and just to remember that even if you're going through a really tough time in your life, like you are able to somehow conquer it if you just hold on somehow. And you've got to give people hope. That's what Harvey Milk said. Mm. That was in his speech. You've got to give them hope because it is inspiring if people hope can see hope and you are a hopeful person totally it feels like you've been hopeful forever but i think you have to um hope is an aspiration Mm. and a philosophy but i think you have to work for it Mm -hmm. um and i think um to uh, what i've learned in the decades of struggle uh, on not exactly on the barricades but sometimes when you demonstrate you are on the barricades Mm. i was i was um um in grosvenor square in the demonstrations against the Vietnam War, mm. literally being charged by mounted police, and then I was um, told that I couldn't get I couldn't get a visa to go to America because I'd committed moral turpitude by burning the American flag on the steps of the American Embassy with wow. Tariq Ali. But I mean, you know, we and you can be kind of each generation can be a bit complacent. You think we've 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 advanced, we've got these legal, we've changed the law, and you can sit back, but. Authoritarianism, I think, is the default position of humans. Um, censorship is the default authoritarian position. And you just have to, each generation has to go out and fight for the progress that you want to mm. m- to make your life whole mm-hmm. and to make your life the good life that you want to lead with mm. being tolerance, with um, being just, being fair, being alive, allowing allowing other people to live. And if I can do that through my painting, mm. then good. But other people do it through music. Mm. People do it through politics. Mm. You do it through well, broadcasting. Cult- <laughs> yes, yes, culture. But culture has the biggest effect on society. Culture is our messages move quickly through society. And it reflects society. Reflects and society. Which your your work yeah. definitely does. And talking of censorship as well, um, the Tate in Liverpool actually censored one of your, or, you know, removed one of your works or refused it to be on display, I think in 1995, which I find so fascinating because you'd done a painting depicting a semi-erect penis. And a Manet's, uh, a, a Miss Olympia, isn't it? Mrs. Olymp- what was the Manet original? 
Um, it's called Olympia. Yeah. But do you know do you how that came about? I mean, it was, what was the date? Was it 1992 it, or something? I think it was 95, maybe. Something like that. Anyway, yeah. it was the Tate, that, you know, that's a modern era, you would think. And the yeah, Tate yeah. had put on an exhibition of uh, naked women, of sculptures of naked women. Uh-huh. You know, and it was uh, Matisse, um, Lipchitz, well, you know, a variety of the greats of art yeah. painting, doing sculpture of naked women. And so they suddenly, I think they must have thought, hold on a second, we need to balance this out by having a, 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 an education pack and perhaps we should include some naked men. Mm. So I'm very lucky they came to me for a naked <laughs> Um And they saw my, but they were, you know, back in the day, I think you look at slides and yes. so I had a tiny little slide which we, which we sent them. And... Um, and they said, yes, fantastic, you'll be in the, you know, we've got all the permissions and everything. And then they blew the slide up. And in slightly enlarged, you could see that the Mr. Olympia, which was my reverse of Manet's Olympia, yeah. um, had what they call an ithy phallus, actually. I think that's the polite way for saying an erect penis. And then, so they, they had to, you know, they thought, you know, they said, no, 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 and we can't have an erect penis. Uh, in this in the in this pact however it was perfectly acceptable yes. to have every variety of female nakedness of yeah yes so where where is mr olympia now so if it didn't get shown at tate liverpool did it go somewhere mr. else mr olympia is amongst all my paintings which are stored at home so you store your work at home yes and how many paintings have you got there well i paint very slowly uh-huh. very meticulously um and i paint quite Big paintings, yes. four by five, a little bit larger sometimes, but they're kind of for a domestic space. Um, and so I paint about two big paintings a year. Oh, wow. Um, I'm a slow painter. And your studio is your house. And, the, and I I live above my shop. I have my my the, 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 I have the sitting room, which is my studio. And yeah. but um, and this is in Notting Hill. This is in, in Grove. West yeah. London. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I've lived since I was sixteen. But um, so uh, you know, I I don't. That's another thing which which it's interesting because I'm so outside the art market. Yeah. And I don't want to lose that sense that my painting is going to remain meticulous. But you know, I'm 75 now. Do I have 10 more years with eyesight and ability to paint? So what's twice 10? I might have 20 more paintings to do in my life. Hopefully, you're going to have a lot longer than that. Yes. I, I could feel no, you going no, on no, into no. your hundreds. Well, I would I, love you that. Know, it's possible. It's possible. <laughs> yeah, how, how old was Louise Bourgeois? <clears throat> she was in her 90s, wasn't she? Um, yeah, and I mean, Carmen Herrera is 105 yes, now. Um, still um, making work every Still day. making work. And Carol Rahm. Exactly. exactly. So I'm lucky. I'm, I'm touching wood at the moment. And Yaya Kasama is, uh, you know, yes, becoming elderly. And she's, she's still oh, making incredible She now. is just... Don't put me in the same breath as her. Mm. She's just remarkable. But anyway, so I paint very slowly. So, um, yes, so my house is kind of stuck. What's your inspiration for the for the artists? What artists are you looking at when you create your work? Well, Yo Yo Kasama for for a mm. start. Right. I mean, you know, I mean, it, it it's not necessarily it's not the style of the work, mm. but it's their passion, mm. and there are, it, there's always incredible work. To see, mm. actually, I try to limit myself to seeing maybe three or four shows a year. Otherwise, you just get overwhelmed. Get, yes, yeah. exactly. Um, but or too you know, influenced but, by it, maybe. But it, it's life. Mm. It, it is the inspiration. I mean, we are so uniquely lucky on our planet, mm. and the way people live and um, our struggles, our um, splendors and misery. You know, that that's 
inspirational. Um, the sadnesses we have, the poetics of our lives, the struggle that we have, um, it's all inspirational. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com And if we were going to talk about the way your paintings actually look, if people haven't seen them yet, you make figurative paintings. And I've actually, it's quite interesting because your show that's on in London, loads of my friends through Instagram have been posting about it and seeing it, which is so brilliant because it's a whole new generation of people in their 20s, you know, or even younger, and then in their 30s, discovering your work for the first time. And there's a theme that I've noticed. A lot of people keep mentioning the, I think he's a Scottish painter called Housen, Peter Housen. And also, I started thinking a lot about 1920s and kind of people like Tamara Lempicka and... Um, and Christian then, Shard. Christian Shard, yeah. exactly. But also, um, I grew up in a place called Cookham and Stanley Spencer was the local painter there. And I also somehow see a kind of way that you might have responded to Spencer and taken it to a feminist and progressive kind of territory or something. One of my fa- I mean, Stanley Spencer, just one of my favourite artists. Political, very political. Mm. Um... um um, and but figuration too. We forget how do we forget how unpopular and how um, denigrated it was in the you know the the echelon, highest echelons of uh, of the art world. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that it was for instance I was feeling very very low, um, and um, it was I was going to an exhibition at the Serpentine, and it was all. Um, I was going to say it's all constructivist bits and pieces on the floor and that kind of, which I, I understand that I can, you know, I could make a good case for that kind of art, but it wasn't anything that touched my soul. And I walked around the corner and saw this incredible painting by Peter Doig. Mm-hmm. And you forget that um, how, how um, to begin with, Peter Doig had to struggle mm-hmm. to to be accepted as a, f- as a figura- as figuration. Figuration as pa- goes in as, and as out painting. of favour. Yeah. Yes, as painting. Yeah. And to me, you know, um, despite technology, I like the idea of craft. I mm. like canvas. I like um, the surface of, uh, of uh, the surface and smell of oil paint on canvas and size and wood f- and the wood mm. um, stretches. Terps, uh, do you like the smell it, of terps? I love the smell of it, You know, <laughs> that whole, I just, you know, the whole glorious mm. organic mixture yeah. of the materials that one uses. Um, but I'm not, I don't always do figurative work. If I'm feeling very low, I literally can't stand up 
in front of my canvas. And mm. when I'm sitting on the floor, I'll do more abstract work. Wow. Um, and when I was a child, um, I remember seeing Matisse's Snail yes. at um, the Tate Gallery. And it was such a contrast to the figurative work of Matisse. Mm. And then I learned that Matisse had done the snail from his bed, bed mm. when he was mm. ill as an old man. Mm-hmm. And I always thought, okay, I'm going to do detailed, meticulous, figurative work until I'm very ill as an old person, and then I may be doing, maybe do more abstract work. Mm-hmm. And a, a bit of an abstract work is an abstract color field is coming into my painting a bit more. Wonderful. But um, you know, it, it, I from the political aspect of my work, I need figuration because once you have figurative art. You have to. You, there's politics there. Mm. Actually, abstract is not without politics, but it's the, the abstract. Abstract art is non-political, which is also political. But I have to f- for narrative paintings. Mm. I have to have. It has to be figurative. What's amazing about your work now that it's coming to the forefront is because we are becoming so much more aware of the use of pronouns and non-binary and fluidity and sexuality and the characters in your paintings which would have been, I mean, still are controversial, are like hermaphrodites. They, they have breasts, they have penises, they have vaginas. They're, they're, they're not really, you can't say what gender they are. And you were making this work, you've been making this work for so long, and it just feels so now. That's what's so exciting, is it? It feels like the, com- the zeitgeist. You have captured the zeitgeist, but you have held had that zeitgeist at the forefront of your work for so long. And now it feels like it's completely... Um, speaking to the dialogue of what it is to be, you know, sexuality now. I just think that it's taken quite a, you know, quite a long while for that discourse or mm. the outsiders or the or gay or queer mm. to come become mainstream, mm. and that is a, a huge relief, really, for mm. all of us who um, want to be. What fluid. we are, yeah. yes, fluid. Is that how you describe well, your I mean, own sexuality? It, uh, it's interesting because um, re- as a teenager reading a lot, um, I liked Jung rather than Freud. Right. Um, and I remember I, I, it, in, in my sketchbooks, I was looking at them, going back on them to look at where I was in the sketchbooks when I was 17, 18. And there's a big, I've written down um, from Jung who says, we must human beings must come to terms with the male and female in their nature. Uh, so that's you know, that's me as a teenager, mm. um, th- looking at the patriarchal binary and saying that's not me. Mm. You know, I'm just as good a shot shooting a gun or a bow and arrow as as my brother. You know, what 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 has taught our parents to think in these binaries. Mm. I, I heard you talk about, I called Russell earlier and I said, I'm so excited to meet Caroline because there's this idea that like, you know, holding on to hope and then also this idea of feminism and how young women now have a language that they can um, use as a powerful tool to fight patriarchy and oppression and that that language has been something that's grown in your lifetime. So from you being a young girl, when you felt all these things, you didn't necessarily have the right words. You weren't armed at that time with the right language or the, you know, there weren't books and they, you know, whereas now you have that. And I was so empowered and so excited because I feel like your life, I mean, 
people who don't necessarily know you now, you've had this incredible, fascinating life in the music industry. You wrote for Melody Maker. You managed The Clash. You were part of the punk scene. You know, but you were also from a time of like before the punk scene of hippies and this idea of like free love and Woodstock and all of those eras. I had never thought about the whole Woodstock time as being a patriarchal device Device, almost or a kind of the way it was used to free male um, liberation. So it was almost like the 60s, which is meant to be this idea of free love. And you always see like nude women and nude men with their long hair and everyone, you know, and Joni Mitchell is actually someone that always comes to my mind who is such a strong female voice who I still to this day respect and admire and love. But you've described it as being this kind of male liberation and it was a way for men to feel okay about having sex and um, and actually still oppressing women in, through doing that. So it was a kind of like new kind of patriarchy. It's fascinating. I think all these, everything, all these things are very complex um, and the, the complexity of the 60s, a lot of that has been erased. Mm. Um, and to me, the 60s was the male... was a period of male liberation and a period of working-class male liberation, white male liberation. Um, And and it was liberating for women because we had the pill for the first time. And so we were freed from the obligation of being treated like um, condoms in the sense that men, especially if you were working-class, you know, men could use women for their sexual delight and just discard us, throw us aside, throw our babies aside. Mm. Um, and um, But we were also trying to combat religious... Um, what's the word for it when you are... Um, when you hate sex? <laughs> um, uh, uh, it's not Puritanism, it's... Well, I don't know. Anyway, so yes, I, I think um, uh, you know, religion is anti-sex, mm. right? Um, and so you know, to break free of the religious, um, to say that sex was evil, mm. uh, you could only have sex within marriage, um, and the naked body was evil. Mm. Um, you know, the, the whole idea of us women throwing off our clothes and the Woodstock generation and men growing their hair long—that was to gender blur. Mm. You know, it was it was breaking down these pa- patriarchal divisions, mm. and it was so dangerous that that was very quickly put back in its box. Do you remember when um, Mick Jagger and David Bowie were talking about being gay or... Yeah, or bi or whatever. Bo- yeah. yeah, or whatever. And, and then how suddenly co- renounced. And it how more co- fluid. Uh, it was yeah, like the yeah, original yes, fluidity. Exactly, yeah. exactly, and how quickly... I mean, it, you know, to, to, to have come out like that, mm. it, you know, you were li- it was literally meant that you could be killed on the streets. Wow. You can still be killed on the streets if you're gay. But it was... It, it's, just an, it, it's just an indication to me of how how hard it is to break down these um, patriarchal tropes. Right. And that you have to, each generation has to stand on the barricades. But um, what women discovered and why feminism of the, seven, of the 70s, the second generation feminism was born, um, was because um, the very famous line that Stokely Carmichael said in, I think it was 1970, when was asked by a woman, we were trying to work shoulder to shoulder with men to be progressive in society. And um, the question was asked, you know, what is woman's role in the revolution? Uh, because we, because those, those early pioneers were, were, you know, just making the tea and it was getting very onerous. Mm-hmm. And Stokely Carmar- Carmichael said, echoing a kind of a patriarchal trope from all the men around us, mm-hmm. um, was, oh, the woman's, w- woman's role is horizontal. Mm. Um, 
And so the, a lot of the men who were wanting to be liberated also wanted the um, entitlements of the patriarchy. And so um, us women who wanted to be out as sexually li liberated women mm. um, were called whores, pussies, mm. slags, sluts, um, you know, a hundred different ways mm -hmm. of... of Derogatory. Of, yeah. of frightening women into sexuality uh, away you know away from being sexual in, to yeah. back into the to, to, to the house whereas men yes. were just I remember hearing studs. you say they were just called studs yeah. and there's yeah. only one word it's kind of like pretty yeah. much that's Isn't what it, it was it's fascinating how many words there are and you, you've actually made a video piece uh, which, which I is loved. beautiful where you're sat in white and you're, you're dipping your hands into a bucket of like red uh, fluid like blood and you're putting it over yourself and you're reciting there's a voiceover of all the different terminologies that women can be degraded with Hence, and but not only women. These are the, the words that I say, like slut, skit, whore. Uh, in the in my piece, I am whore. Yeah. is what um, five year old girls are hearing in the playground today. Mm. You know, there's the, the uh, you know the young women are still having to fight this battle. Mm. Um, and I just I'm I'm here because of a lot of things that. Um, of course, the men who have encouraged me, and I reach out to um, all the men who are shoulder to shoulder with us today, fighting these patriarchal binaries, mm. um, who are interested in the idea of consent, who are interested in um, instead of rape, um, learning how to be sexually seductive. Um, you know, we don't have to indulge in sadomasochism. As a matter of fact, there is an alternative. Um, you know, you might read the Kama Sutra. You know, there there are there are different ways to be human, which doesn't include force and mm. violence. Mm. Do you feel a huge affinity with the LGBT community and your work and throughout your life and career? Yes, you know, I've uh, uh, I've all you know, I've 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 always given that I was at a boarding school. Uh, what's the word for it? Um, a co-educational boarding school since mm -hmm. the age of five. You know, you you know, you know where your sexuality is uh -huh. from that very very early age, um, and so you know, I've uh, um, I've I've always known that I'm bisexual, mm -hmm. um, but that's another it's another thing that's quite con quite difficult because you don't want to be labelled. There are many feminisms that you know that the uh, you know we keep adding um, initials to the LGBTQ plus because yeah. there's so many varieties of yes. what we want to be. Mm. And so I'm, you know, I'm, I'm for adult consent, adult pleasure, um, variety. Um, Hallelujah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so your work now, so what happens next for Caroline Coons? So you've got this show on at Tramps, which is a huge success and really uh, highlighting your practice and what you've been doing. And you're getting a lot of attention from that. Do you, do you feel this attention on you now, and where do you go from here? Luckily, I'm an old lady now, and I've seen um, and I've shepherded a lot of young people through early success. So I'm trying to learn the lessons. I'm like who? To, like who? I'm practicing. Well, you well, shepherded the Clash through well, their early. You know, and yes, you know, you didn't you even take one of the pictures on their album uh, record sleeves, White Riot, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, because I was interested in what counterculture was doing after the hippie movement. I was looking out for what was coming next. What yeah. is counterculture? Can we just highlight that for the listeners? Counterculture was the opposition to the establishment, mm. I guess. The opposition to the mainstream and what's going on all the time 
underneath that what I call the mainstream crust. Yeah. And you know it's, it bursts out, and it, it it it's there to change culture, mm-hmm. and it does change culture. You know, art really does change things. And so long as we are free to make art, then I think society is free. But um, but and I'm holding on to the fact that my painting hasn't changed. Mm. What's changed is that Martin Green and James Lawler and Peter Doig and Paranas Magadasi have framed my work differently mm. and that's enabled people to look at my work in a different way. And I love this story that you wrote to Peter Doig right at the beginning of his career, maybe even after you saw that painting at the Serpentine. And there's this narrative of you having written him a letter and it meant so much to him at that time because there was a lot of opposition to painting and painting was dead or it often happens, doesn't it? Every 20 years, people are like, painting, painting's dead. over, yeah, yeah. Um, which is so insane. But he remembered that really touching him and almost spurring him forward and feeling like someone believed in his mm. work even if you weren't like a close friend of his at that time. And then when he heard about your Liverpool show, which was really well received and quite a remarkable exhibition, he then thought, how can I help now? I've got to help her. And I really respect that because I think it's a brilliant thing that A, that you did for him to like reach out. And I really encourage people to reach out and support people that they like. And don't just assume that they know they're great. Because often, Mm. even if they're well known, they don't often get told, we love this or we think you're great. He's an amazing champion though, Peter Doig. He's done that for a lot. There's another artist called Denzel Forrester. Do you know Denzel's work? And he, I know his work. He's an amazing artist. And he, again, has been kind of in the margins mm. of the art world. And Peter has really brought him into the forefront. And now he's having these incredible uh, positions. He's been positioned in an mm. incredible place. And he's got this big mural at Brixton Station at the minute, which is a massive honour. And Peter, again, has done that. He seems like a massive champion for talent for like and i just love that you were a champion of peter's yeah so it's but, like and and that you've been a champion of many artists well i think one yes because it, it's it's where you get your inspiration i think and uh, and to me to be in the margin is quite a strong place to be mm. um but um i think that anybody who's got a uh, in a position to um recommend like when i was writing for melody maker um, I was in a position to recommend people to go to a Sex Pistols gig, or, right? You know, yeah. but that, but that's what that's well, that's what you do if you're an artist, or if you're culturally aware. And it's what you know what you're doing, you know what, which is what's necessary about a talk art podcast. Mm. You know, you're re- you're reaching out to people, and that's the most hopeful thing I think you can do. Mm. Mm. We're giving people hope, Rob. We are. Well, you're, you're we need us, it, don't You're we? giving us hope as well, though. It's a really wonderful thing. So you're selling your work now? Um, I'm not sure that I will sell my work. But yet. has work not sold from this show, um, or do you know? I, it will, I hope it will sell eventually, but, uh-huh. you know, it would, that, would, that would be nice. But, um, I, um, yes, we'll see. It's almost never been the motivation behind it either. And you know what I find so fascinating? This is the other thing I really want to quickly say, is that your life story, I mean, if you want to hear an amazing life story, there's a movie in your life story because you've been through so many different social uh, changes in in society, like huge shifts every decade Mm. um, and different political challenges even to this day every decade. You know, it's a fascinating thing. And you've been involved in like from that early kind of 60s and then the the, the punk and then um, the 90s and and, and then present day and how... 
uh, attitudes are shifting all the time. I was just imagining Felicity Jones playing you in your life story. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, I, I, yeah. I want I want to be able to um, shut the studio door and paint the paintings that I've got a list that are on my list to paint. You know, so good. Um, I I will go out of the studio when necessary, and for instance, I will go out if it's to do. It's to make a political connection, yeah. um, to advance um, an issue, a notch forward if possible. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that's that. You know, that's all one can do. But I, uh, you know, I I paint because it's an essential thing, an essential part of my humanity. Um, but it's not been about money because, you know, I would have stopped painting a long time ago if it would have been about money. Yeah, of course. Um, but, you know, to me, it's, it's lack of money that I refuse to allow to stop me painting, which is why I did nude modelling and then um, worked as a sex worker. Yeah. Because, you know, um, nothing's going to stop me painting. Lack of money is not going to stop me painting. Was you painting during all this time as well? Yeah, it's, or, you know, um, right from the start, you know, when I was managing The Clash, I was painting. You know, my studio has been that solid, quiet, still place where I go to. Every day? Uh, six to six every day. Wow. It's like a constant kind of discipline pulse, that it's you've your pulse. yeah it's amazing and what i was trying to say i've just yeah. remembered is that um is that all of that experience and your incredible life story um actually is relevant because even though you can sensationalize elements of your life and you know i imagine certain journalists would love to like have headlines that talk about the brothel series of paintings or you know even your punk era because it, it's kind of stuff can, that can, can, I, can i stop you there? yeah yeah it's not sensationalizing mm-hmm. what's interesting is um that um commercial sex or um sex work is absolutely central to the to to what society is yeah and the fact that um you uh maybe watching pornography or people out there watching that that is work that is being produced by men and women um who are doing work yeah. but because um what is the reason that you think that to consenting adults should be sent to prison for doing sex work? Mm. That that you know that is um, the the rock bed of patriarchy. Yeah. And until we say that consenting adults can do with their bodies whatever they like, whether it's to sell, mm. it's to do sex work for money, um, then all these other things that patriarchy stands on will continue apace. And so it's um I would I would I would like my brothel series to be sensationalized. Yeah. Because I will say, um, you know, you are all of you, if you are using pornography, are using the brothel. Mm. Yeah. And and you, the way that you can make yourself whole is to stop calling that sensation. It's that is right, right, right. that you know yeah. that is that is the real world. It's right. not sensational. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, you know, get used to it. You actually have a painting doing. called "Prostitutes Stoning the Hypocrites." Yes, which I think is yes, one of the most exactly. powerful pieces. It's exactly. incredible. Yeah. Let you know. Let's be honest about our sexual needs. Mm. Mm. I mean, if you want to send you know to sensationalize it, I you know I've always had they've always had you know right since when I first started release and. Had a kind of a public profile. Um, my nude modelling was 
you know, on the same page as that discussion, you know, discussions about legal aid. Right. You know, I was naked on the law page of Time magazine. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, to me, that's a huge hypocrisy. Um, and we, you know, you've got to, you've, we've got to understand our sexuality if mm. we're going to be um, human beings who uh, live in a, in, a, in a good way mm. and treat each other well. So, you know, and actually the point I wanted to make was that you've had this great life story, but that's all in the work. And I think your work is like you're saying, talking about if you talk about legalizing prostitution or brothels or that kind of thing, like it's in the work and your your work is bringing around social change because it's there and it will outlive all of us. And that's actually what I think I'm grateful for as you as an artist, because mm. I think your work will outlive me. It will outlive Russell. It will outlive you and it will still help change. And and that's what's powerful. And in a way, it's not, it, it's not, I know it's useful to have headlines because that also brings change. But to me, it's, it's beyond, you know, just simply sensationalizing something because it's power, powerful. Like, but let me, things. let me, what do you, uh, you two youths think about? Oh, I like you calling us youths. <laughs> I don't feel I, like a youth anymore. You look, you, yeah. you look beautiful, youthful. You are a beautiful <laughs> you. youth. Oh, thank, thank you. you. Thank you. <laughs> beautiful youth. So it's lovely to be spoken to or with. Anyway, um, <laughs> are you blushing? <laughs> yes. Um, 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 what do you think of the materiality of the, the kind of paint that Peter Doig is using, or that I'm using, or? Um, what do we think of you know, the materiality? It, 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 I think it, know, it, it has. It, it, it gives because you're it so living much in a depth. you're living in a technical. Well, everything is screens. I, I actually, for me, I think it's the most powerful medium for showing humanity. Like I think the way that you or Peter or any you know great painter. Yeah, we were talking about this earlier because you've actually done a self-portrait in the show where you are painting yourself now and every character in your paintings is very sinewy. You can see like the muscle tone. They almost feel kind of anatomical like Leonardo da Vinci sort of like... Yeah, like skill the, as well. The, the, yeah, the genesis exactly. of man. But, but you painted... There's this self-portrait of you and you've painted yourself looking a lot older than you actually do look in real life but like as a celebration... And I love of, that in the work as well, like the idea of the celebration of the of, of an older body as well. But I'm talking about as young as young men, yeah, mm. um, you know, who are, who are used to technology and who are used to. Um, well, we we were digitalizing born internet. It's like, but we, I mean, the I'm, internet. I'm I mean, obsessed with Instagram and the internet. Yes, but so, but do you what what do you think the value of of of, of an artist like me painting on canvas? With I just I think it's because it, I think it's more directly to the soul somehow, and I I feel like that's what's special it about survives. Painting. It's 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 as Rob was saying, it's, it's going to outlive all of us. Paintings are essential to show a dialogue of what it is to be alive, and it slows us down. And I think it makes us think about things in a much slower way, mm. which you know you can sit in front of a painting for hours, yes. and it can change every day. You and do it that can on the keep internet, keep making you, get a you think about things. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think painting is. You know, what do you really think, important? Why did you ask that question? Um, because trying to be hopeful mm. about craft and organic things mm. and the material of the earth, mm. um, the spirituality of of nature, harnessing and, energy, and, and and where you know what's where that's going to go, and mm. can we keep can we keep that alive? You know, it, I, I'm I'm 100 percent sure we will keep it alive. We're you know just what, trying. You, we are championing. We recently that. <laughs> interviewed um, a gallerist called Tommaso Corviumoro who makes ceramics. Mm. And mm. ceramic. If you look at the the development of ceramics, but, we did a whole hour long interview with him about evolution. It, and we love ceramics, but that that is also a phenomenon since say 2003. 
13, something, it started to come into the art world, this idea of ceramics and craft and how there is no distinction between the two because they're both great. Mm -hmm. And I do think people... We, we as human beings need to create things with our hands and I think painting's so important but that's also why we love what you're doing because yeah. you're a yeah. storyteller Caroline and we all want to hear your story I, well, you're, I a like, truth, you're a truth teller actually mm. and, you, and you bring truth to power truth as well say, many yeah. times I li- I, that's what I I feel passionate about and I, that's why I'm, I'm interested because it's the handmade which I you know the, 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 the touching of your of your gesture, your hand mm. gesture onto material, whether it's wood or paint or mm. pa- wood paper, mm. um, to me that has a uh, has a great value, mm. and I would hate for that in you know in the twenty years time when I'm gone for that element of of human creativity mm. to be lost. You know what's fascinating? A lot of um, universities and schools shut mm. down their ceramics department this is just a kind of example and then the response to that was artists started setting up their own ceramics department and they would go and buy very cheap mm. um kilns or very mm. cheap you know d- materials that had been thrown Clay out onto cl- yeah, exactly yeah. that had all been thrown onto the street i've heard yeah. so many stories in frankfurt in london yeah. and there's people like aaron angel who set up a kind of artist run troy town which was the idea of people making ceramic you know and he did something like 68 different artists in the space of a year or something it was insane so there is you know it will survive you can try and shut it down mm. but it always comes back and that 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 is something in the human soul we, we want to, to 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 you know to express ourselves we um, ask everyone that comes on though two questions the first one we want to ask is if you could do an art heist you could steal any work of art in the world your touchstone artwork and live with it what would it be and why i wouldn't stay i wouldn't steal it but i would <laughs> make sure that it was preserved forever it would be mm-hmm. probably something at the national gallery like um um van dyke Arnold female marriage. Oh, yes. Love that little exquisite yes, painting. Beautiful. Or even to take it back. Well, that was the first selfie, everyone says, because he's it, painted into the back in the mirror. It's, uh, I just absolutely love the whole mystery What would you do to take it, it back where? Well, to make preserve it, to make sure that it would, you know, maybe, yes, I wouldn't, wouldn't like to steal it. Yeah, make, yeah. I would, you know, make sure the National Gallery could preserve it forever. But another, another painting which I absolutely adore, which is, and I'm, um, I hope that you're going to edit this because I'm going to get, waffle now to see if we can find the name of it. Yeah. But it's in the the early English section and it's a diptych mm. um, with angels and uh, it's absolutely exquisite. Piece it's not the Wilton of, diptych. Yeah, the Wilton diptych. The Wilton diptych. So that so, was made. So it would be in the 1300s. Yes. And it's a small portable it, diptych of two hinge panels. It, and the and the and the, when you open it, it's this uh, paintings a paint. Beautiful pale blue angels, and it's ju- it's just the really most delicate kind of. Um, oh, and I've although seen that. I've seen and that, it, you know, it's, it's stunning. It's that. It's so stunning. It's I'll absolutely. post an image on our Instagram. It's absolutely exquisite. And uh, although I'm, I'm I'm not religious, mm. um, I like the way people express their awe of life. Yes. And that painting to me, it's a you know, it's it's a religious icon to be yeah. travelled around with the king was. To pray in front of, I just like the spirit of of awe and love and passion that that artist put into that painting. So it would be so it, for me. It would be the Wilton diptych, yeah, and the Arnolfini uh, wow. marriage. And the other ask, uh, question we ask every guest is, "What's your favourite colour?" So what's mm. my favourite colour? The moment it's red. I'm doing okay. a red mm. painting at the moment, and my next painting is going to be lots of red. Wow. Yes. Red is such a life force. Kind Blood. Of. Yeah, exactly. Do you get a lot of inspiration from looking out of your window? Do you use that as a, a view for the studio? Do you have a window? 
I have a window and it's a tough window to look out of at the moment and it makes me, every day I look out of my studio and me determined to be socially conscious because I look out onto the Grenfell Tower. Wow. And at three o'clock in the morning, a couple of years ago, um, I was woken up by a helicopter overhead, um, looked out of the window and I saw people burning to death. Oh my God. And to me, um, the Grenfell Tower is a... Um, an icon or a, a, two, a, a monument yeah. to the capitalistic fraud. Mm. Monolith, was it? And, you know, it, you know, all of us in the neighborhood of Labrick Grove who um, look out onto the Grenville Tower, you know, you, you know you, if you... I'm very happy that I'm a politically conscious artist. Mm. Um, but, uh, because if you look at, you know, when you look out on the world yes. and you see the horrors like that, then... Yeah. Then you know, and it is right on your doorstep. Yeah. I mean, it's just yeah. shocking. Yeah. Well, it, well, I think each community has something as shocking as yes, that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, but also you've painted your local kind of um, uh, uh, neighbourhood, haven't you? Mm -hmm. in, in your work as well, mm -hmm. um, a lot. Which mm -hmm. yeah, uh, the, the, at Tramps at the moment, there's a, a, a painting of flowers, mm -hmm. and there's a slither down the side of it where there's a, a tower block, and funnily enough, it was the tower block. The twin tower to the to the to the Grenfell Tower, wow. and I'm I'm thinking I've done sketches of um, I go out sketching a lot. I've done sketches of the Grenfell Tower, but it's um, how to incorporate something as tragic as that yeah. into one's oh, art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that yet, um, but but. Um, Given that I do my urban landscapes, yeah. it's it's bound to be there it must sometime. Must factor sure, your sure, decision sure. making. Yeah, yeah. Wow. yeah, it's going to be there. It's going to be there wow. somehow. Artists, you know, be socially conscious. Yes. Paint progress. Yeah. Paint protest. Paint. Definitely. Wonderful. Well, on that inspiring uh, message, um, we love you. My God, interview. thank you, we love so, you so much. much. And thank Are you still you. nervous, or have you? Children. More nervous now. Oh, no. <laughs> no, I mean, I feel a responsibility. You've given me oh. a kind of, you know, you've put some responsibility on my shoulders. Oh, well, really? Yes. Is that, that's good, really, though, I, isn't it? I, I, I guess so. I but we I also want to make you feel responsible. All you for have anything, to do is just, just be, be yourself, really. We just want to pick you up. Because you're doing a great job at so, it. <laughs> yeah, we want to encourage you to keep, please yeah. keep going because we love Thank you. you. I think you're brilliant. And keep going, and, you um, too. Thank you very much. And um, for everyone who wants to see images of Caroline's work, we'll be posting images on at Talker, which is our Instagram. And the exhibition at Tramps runs until I think the 22nd of December in London. Please go and see it because paintings and art is made to be seen in person. Mm -hmm. um, so don't just look at it on Instagram. Please actually make a journey and see the exhibition. Um, and we will be back very soon. Thank, Thank you, you very Caroline. much. Thank you. Thank you. It's been a joy. Bye. 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 You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamant and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at TalkArt, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in this episode. Recorded at Spiritland London by Anthony Shaw and edited by Gareth Isles. Subscribe to TalkArt on iTunes and Spotify. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com